Hey, my name is Suhani, and this is my podcast, The Fem Stem Mythbusters. In today's episode, I'm going to be tackling this idea that femininity is unwelcome STEM with guest speaker Hilary Rashki. She works for a media technology company, SDVI Corporation, which or- operates on the cutting edge of the industry, providing t- leading companies with consumption-based cloud-native technology solutions. Mrs. Rashki grew up in Montgomery County, Maryland, graduating from Walter Johnson High School in Bethesda. She started working for Discovery Communications after college and followed a path that kept her in the intersection of uh, media technology and operations. In 2020, Mrs. Roshke received a technology and engineering Emmy in recognition of her role on the project that allowed Discovery to migrate their media factory to the cloud. Hi, um, Miss Hillary. Um, Welcome to my show. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Happy International Women's Day. Yes, it's so exciting. Have you done anything to celebrate today? Um, not much. I still went to school. Oh, I ha- I got my education. That's That is certainly celebrating International Women's Day. Yeah. How about you? Did you do anything? I attended a um a session for a group that I work with called Rise that supports um gender diversity in the broadcast and media technology industry and it was very inspiring. Wow. Yeah, that that does sound inspiring. And I'd love to hear more about it and a little bit bit about your journey and maybe how STEM was incorporated into it. Sure, absolutely. We're going to dive right in. Um, I I laugh about this a little bit because I started school, started my education before STEM was a concept that people talked about. Um, I I certainly had lots of exposure to science, technology, engineering, and mathematical concepts. Um, I think, you know, we had we had a school system, and I had teachers that were wonderful at at pushing people with maybe some aptitude or interest in an area. Um, so I, I had I remember like special classes and after school and summer events that were, um, you know, we would do experiments or we would build things, and I thought it was really fun but I didn't frame it as STEM. Um, And then I I don't know, I've been reflecting on this a a lot since we, we initially talked about this podcast. I, I think I was less interested in things that were associated with science and math, maybe late elementary school, early middle school. Um, I I guess with the (laughs) sort of the benefit of hindsight and uh, some time and space and, and maturity, I think, I didn't think that those things were cool, right? They weren't lining up with my image of myself. Um, Maybe that's one way to look at it. I I certainly was drawn to more creative pursuits. Um, I could have an outlet for artistic things that I enjoyed, fashion and makeup and, um, you know, television and and movies. Um, But I I do think there was like a, a, a divide then and I've been trying to think about what time that happened. I think it was the end of middle or the end of elementary school. Um, but interestingly, I stayed close to technology. Um, I chose extracurriculars that were much more sort of arts focused, 
but I always chose something to do that let me touch technology. So I was in stage. I worked in the crew uh, to put on high school plays and I learned to solder and run wires and I ran the light board and that was like so cool. And in hindsight, that's what I was doing. I was learning concepts of electrical engineering and, and you know, <laughs> how to do these technical things. Um, I also interned for a filmmaker who was ahead of her time in technology. So I got to work with digital media at a time when that was very, very rare for people to be doing, especially in a non-professional setting. And I was learning file codecs and, you know, raster size and, and storage size and how to hook up, you know, multiple storage locations to each other. So some computer science concepts. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, early in my career, sort of helping improve processes where people and technology were overlapping. So process engineering, all of those things I didn't have words for or concepts for, but I thought were like super cool. And I felt really lucky to be, uh, to be a part of. Wow. That, I mean, that's really cool because it's not one of those um, traditional paths in STEM, but. No, I'm an accidental always... STEM pioneer, I think in some ways. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love that accidental STEM pioneer. Pioneer's and a bit much, probably, but you know, it sounds very <laughs> no, cool. no, it's, no, it's amazing. I mean, um, you do have a technology and engineering Emmy, right? I do. Thank you. Yeah, that that is yes. amazing. Um, I've been talking about that to like everyone that I see. I'm just like, did you know that this um, amazing lady that I'm inter that I'm interviewing. <laughs> she is so amazing okay she has an actual emmy and people are like what oh my gosh but Thank yes I, i've been talking about you like for the past week oh but goodness. um yeah so that you mentioned that like uh, you you felt like you were really into stuff like like makeup and fashion and you felt like that didn't traditionally like fit with you know, the science engineering mathematics and obviously now we know that's not really true but are you debunking like a, this myth already? <laughs> spoiler True, alert, we haven't even. Spoiler alert. Yes, yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> so that brings me to my first question. I, I just want to initially get your opinion. Do you think currently femininity is unwelcome in the STEM field? I think in the past it has been. Maybe it was unintentional. Um, but science and math didn't seem welcoming to people that didn't fit a very specific archetype. People who are, you know, so brilliant, they couldn't be bothered with frivolous things like makeup and fashion and maybe other things as well, right? They're focused on big problems and important things. Um, that made it feel unwelcoming to me. And this was in the 80s and 90s. I don't know how much that has changed. I hope it continues to change. Currently, I don't think it's unwelcome. Um, but I say that because of the circles I'm able to move in now and the um, sort of authority from which I'm able to speak. And so I am not as um, as worried about it. You know, um, I have had people make comments about the fact that I wear makeup or that I have brightly colored clothes or a dress or high heels when we used to wear shoes. Maybe I'm telling too much. I'm working from home. I don't wear shoes very often, but high heels when I did running around the office. Um, yeah. That interestingly was from women and not men. And they were often questions that were more about 
women trying to navigate the space that they were in and justify I sort see. of what they, their preconceived notions, right? So it's it, mm-hmm. an interesting an interesting example of representation as shallow as that might be with <laughs> makeup and, and fashion, but representation mattering. Definitely. I mean, I, I, I love that you brought up that it, like it's kind of shallow, right? But it's not really about the makeup or that. It's more about like preserving, I guess, your identity or being authentically you. Being, yeah. Bringing yeah. yourself to what you're doing. Um, yeah. And I feel like that's like really important because the best uh, solutions or ideas or innovation come from um, components of your own like cultures and your own background. And that's how you come up with the creative solutions. Like I love how in your story, you were able to incorporate your passion for um, like the arts and combine that with your passion for like engineering and uh, computer science. It's, it's, so. I feel very, very privileged to have, have stumbled <laughs> onto this. Um, I, I do credit, you know, my parents and making sure I had a very strong um, exposure, right, to, to all sorts of different disciplines. Um, and, you know, you, you don't have to stick with it, but you have to try it once. And, and if you sign up for math club, you're doing it for that year, right? So that was <laughs> a nice foundation. Um but yeah, I mean, just kind of following the, the interest that I had mm-hmm. and, and aligning it in the right way just kind of ended up where I was. But we didn't talk about the different kinds of jobs that are in STEM. It was, without even having a word for STEM, it was, a, there's a scientist and you're thinking of beakers and like, you know, test tubes, and then there's mathematician and you're thinking like pocket protector and calculator right? There, there weren't these nuanced kind of variations of a career that you could forge in any of those places. So I think talking about that now, like we're doing is so powerful. Yeah, for sure. And like, I love how you brought up the, these like images that we have of like these different careers, you know, when you think scientist, I know that this is true for most people, you imagine like an Albert Einstein sort of model, you know, just the big hair, yes. the the lab coat, you know, um, mustache maybe, and um, not Marie like Curie, I, no, 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 not even. Even though there are so many amazing women scientists and women engineers, for some reason that's the image that comes to mind. Or like, or like um, an engineer, as you said, with the calculator in his pocket, and so that. That actually reminds me of the um, the article that you sent me, yes. the one about the NASA um, st- female NASA scientist who gave a very important and public speech of, in a pink sparkly dress. Sparkly that scientist, was, I love yes. her. Yes, and I yes. wish I could remember her name off the top of my head. But what a wonderful yeah. example for. Yeah, she was Rita J. King. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah she wanted to show her the girls in her audience that scientists did not have to look like you might see in a cartoon or a history book. Yeah, she actually was sent the dress by a bunch of um, a couple of young girls who like sent her it and with like a letter that was like, "Oh, if you get the chance, could you maybe wear it?" Oh, that's amazing. So, yeah. No. So- oh, thank you for 
telling me more of that background, I, I just, I remembered the meme and it was so stuck in my head um, mm-hmm. that the sparkly scientist kind of rocking for our, for all of us girly girls out there in STEM. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like another great point that you brought up was the fact that it wasn't even really like males, the male population or Okay, that sounds so big. But, you know, like men in general who asked you these questions or like were kind of judging you, I guess, for, I don't know, wearing makeup or doing this. Yeah, if they did, they no one said anything to me. So, (laughs) like, because I I find that true. I feel like even just for my own mindset, it took me a while to understand that you know, it's okay to like this kind of stuff and still be interested in science yeah. and, and it's math okay and, to not. I mean, yeah. I think that's what we're coming to, right? It's for me, this really does boil down to, and I don't think we can say it enough, that representation and there's all kinds of representation, but seeing mm-hmm. someone like you encourages you to become something else than what you think is available to you. And that can cover so many different areas, right? There's socioeconomic representation, there's um, sort of gender representation, there's, um, I mean, social, there's, I mean, uh, cultural, there's so many um, types. But if we just use this one small example for our, for our discussion, it ripples into all of those, right? and really it's it's representation and maybe, and I don't want to overuse this, but um, imposter syndrome. The flip side of imposter syndrome is is being found out, right? So imposter syndrome norm in a traditional sense is you have gotten to a place and you're worried that people are going to figure you out, that you don't fit in, that you aren't good enough. And if you think of imposters back from when we're kids, like our earliest images, it's someone dressing up like someone else trying to pretend to be who they, that other person and not be found out. Right. So of course, imagery and how you present yourself physically would play into that. I, I, Hmm. it kind of hit me recently that those were really, really linked. No, I mean, you're right. Like this brings me uh, to another point, another question, I guess, which is like, well, I guess you kind of did answer this, but do you think that um, females in STEM like choose to dress or act more masculine, you know, to fit in or I guess? Yeah, well, and, and maybe it's not masculine, feminine, right? It's you're wearing the, the uniform you see around you in order to fit in. Um, I know women in my family who were sort of, counseled in earlier generations to dress a certain way to fit in in a certain setting. Um, Mm -hmm. I know a a woman who's closer to my age who was told, if you want to be taken seriously, you know, you need to wear the uniform. And that uniform happened to be pantsuits, you know, for her, Mm -hmm. um, even though that didn't fit with her personal style. And I had the pleasure of seeing her evolve that over her career when she had more and more authority and power just either implicitly or explicitly with her job titles, she then became more and more of her authentic self at work and not wearing that uniform or costume or, um, you know, whatever it is we want to call that. 
Mm-hmm. It's like coming out of her cocoon. I, when you told me that story, just like the image of uh, a butterfly yes. coming out of its cocoon just popped into my head. Right. Well, and that's our, isn't that all of our wish to be able to be who we are in our, as we walk through life. So mm-hmm. what if, if, if I'm, you know, dressing up, um, in the hopes that that's the thing that's going to get me respect and get me um, advancement, that sort of then feels not great. The right. <laughs> it feels like it adds to imposter syndrome because you're faking everything. Yeah. I've heard like this idea of imposter syndrome from so many women that I've spoken to because they're like, I know that, I have the skills, but for some reason, it's just, I don't feel like I belong here. I, and yeah. a lot of it has to do with just like your peers and stuff. But um, I think definitely you're right that may even like how you dress and that kind of stuff, uh, maybe like having to stray from your true self or what you like, your hobbies and stuff might also play a role in that. Yeah. I mean, there's always... I'm not calling for full anarchy in terms of like no, dress no, codes, of but right. It, yeah. <laughs> being able to um, play within what is, what is appropriate in whatever profession you have chosen. There's obviously, you know, lawyers who have to maintain a certain type of dress code for certain Definitely. activities, but yeah, absolutely. And, and I will, yeah, I, I will tell you, and if you don't know this, I hope you do. And I hope other people know this. It's not a uniquely, well, imposter syndrome is not to, unique to women. Mm-hmm. Everyone has it. Yeah. We maybe are more comfortable talking about it or um, have started talking about it earlier, but I hear it very often from um, friends and colleagues that are men too. Yeah. No, no, you're right. Um, it's a common, it's like, it's it's a feeling that I'm sure everyone has felt at some point in their yeah. life, like not fitting in. Right. Or like having to or not not really not fitting in, but having to change or like to fit in. I guess it's all of that. Right. It's am I good enough? Do I fit in? Do I fit the mold that I've seen? So going back to the representation, but then am I can I can I do I have the chops to stay here? Um, And that might be why especially for women in generations where they were, or in jobs where they were really the only woman in the room, that it's harder early on to um, bring your authentic self or to, to step out of the norms because you already have so many other things going on that you're trying to like deal with, right? But as more and more women join STEM, as more and more people are bringing personality to the workplace they're bringing um hobbies you're talking about what you do outside of work I mean that wasn't something anyone did years ago it was like nope I have my work life and I have my home life right and people are are blending that and I think that that we're moving along that continuum yeah I actually want to dive into a little bit more of that blend and like maybe talk about why you think this this mixture is like necessary or beneficial for 
um, you know, the purpose of STEM, which is to create, come up with like solutions yeah. and innovative, creative uh, ideas. And, and yeah, well, there's a bunch of studies and I think, you know, we hear and see them a lot. We can find some good ones for you to share uh, with your audience, yeah. but there's a proof that a broad set of perspectives uh, presu- pr- uh, produces better results. And so if you kind of track that back, a room of people who all look and think and sound the same are not going to naturally kind of have ideas and and things collide off of each other in the same way, or maybe at the same speed that you would if you are getting different inputs. Um, I, I, and I really do mean that diversity of, cognitive ability, right? How you think some, some people, you know, introverts, extroverts, um, learn kinetic learners versus, um, sort of people who, um, love to love to listen and, or just absorb through reading people who've had diverse socioeconomic backgrounds, people who've grown up in, um, different cultures, men and women, we walk through life differently. And so you are going to make connections in a different way than the person next to you who's who's kind of had their own path. The more diversity there is, the more moments you have for someone else's idea to play off of yours in a way that sparks something brand new that no one's thought of. Yeah. Do, do you, can you think of any like personal examples where this might've been the case? I, I can think of examples where my perspective has had a material impact. I can't say for sure that it's because of any sort of type of um, difference that I might have had to anyone else in the room at the time. Um, But I will share it, I guess, as a way to encourage people to use their voice because even you can be in as diverse a room as you want, but if you're not trusting yourself and sharing your voice, um, it almost doesn't matter. Right. So mm-hmm. um, I've shared this before too, but um, my first job out of college, I was hired by discovery communications and it was like a big deal job. I was so, it was, I was so proud to be there and everyone knows, you know, the name and had seen all the TV channels. Um, and this was a team that was like a well-oiled team. It was around the clock, three shifts a day of people clipping and cataloging raw footage for, um, resale or reuse. So imagine for a production company, if you go to Alaska and you spend a lot of money, that's maybe not a good example because everyone goes to Alaska now, but if you've gone somewhere really hard to get to and very expensive and you film something rare, you'd like to reuse that footage as much as possible. Um, in places that it's needed and appropriate, right? So my job at the time was to watch all of those raw tapes, clip things that were important, put a bunch of metadata in into the system, and then save them for use later. Um, and I realized that people were working in a really linear fashion. They were recording a videotape and then doing work, and the VCR was staying dormant. Um, and I just, I kept thinking it was weird because we were really focused on numbers and volume and metrics and are we being efficient? And it took me about a week to get the courage up to ask, why don't you just start recording a second tape when you're 
doing all of the work on the computer for the clipping and cataloging of the first tape. And I was sure I'd get left out of the room like there's some technical reason. There's some, you know, I, I, I couldn't think of it, but I was sure that all the smart people in the world had thought of it and I was being a little <laughs> dense, right? But that one question set off all these light bulbs and we doubled the efficiency of our team within my first wow. month of being in that job because I asked a question. Yeah, so just bringing in like a new perspective that that made a huge impact. Yeah, yeah. well, and, and and again, I can't say exactly that it's different, but they had all yeah they had all been there for a little bit of time. So what was it? And will you, will we ever know? Can you know? Um, we just know that there is measurable impact and benefit to surrounding yourself with. Uh, more diverse team. Mm -hmm. Like um, that, I actually um, interviewed my my first guest. She was an Intel software architect, and I talked to her about like this idea of like confidence, right? And she shared with me an example where she was able to bring in like a fresh perspective. She was in a room full of mostly men. I think she was the only female. And and they were talking about some device, I believe, to like put in that could be like stored in a pocket or something. And she was like, shouldn't you be considering other like uh, uh, like female pockets as well? Like they're not the oh, same yeah. size, you know? So it's like, just by bringing in that other perspective, she was able to help them um, like double the size of their audience yes. or their, their target. Yeah, I actually, target I just audience. saw the most hysterical Twitter thread and it was like, how to know your bathroom was designed by a man, right? Mm -hmm. When you're out in public. And it's like mm -hmm. all of these design fails for what are, are, female spaces in public, right? Um, mm -hmm. You need a purse hook, probably. You need somewhere, I mean, I would argue that all bathrooms need this, but a place to change a child. You need, um, yeah. you'd really like some gaps, like closed in the doors, right? Mm -hmm. Like why yeah. are there gaps oh, in the doors? That is so true. Right? In, the in the stalls, it's like, I'm trying to go to the bathroom yeah. and then I just see like people passing yeah. by and I'm like, can they see me? Like no. I can see them, can they? Okay. <laughs> Because more often than not, the guy who's designing that is facing a wall and doesn't notice, right? So very funny. Um, and, and I think there's there's wonderful um, examples of that. If we take gender out of it, right? You mm -hmm. you can tell a kitchen who's not designed by a cook. Yeah. <laughs> it's, there's not enough storage. There's all this weird stuff. Like those, exactly those, those experiences matter. Oh, I wanted to ask you, I guess, like, do you think this idea of unwelcome femininity, I feel like we've strayed a lot yeah. from that idea, um, but do you think it applies like beyond STEM? I think the same reasons that someone may have historically or contemporarily feel unwelcome. And let's take out the, the sort of dark reasons there, right? Like there's, mm -hmm. there's, illegal and actionable reasons why that femininity in, in anything can can feel um, like a lot. And if you take that out, if we're really looking at this as a professional um, sort of um, qu 
question. I think the reason people might have felt unwelcome in the past is because of the overarching culture that exists in that moment. So if I haven't, if I'm a girl who loves construction and I have a sister who's a, a got her master's in construction management, actually, if I'm a girl who loves construction, I'm fascinated with the way things are built and put together. But when I look at construction sites, it's a whole lot of dudes maybe behaving somewhat badly, right? It's just this culture that doesn't feel welcoming. I don't know that it's femininity that's unwelcome, but you start to self-select out. And I think there's a probably a hard road for the first woman or two that goes to that job site, but then it becomes easier for the next person. Um, that sister I spoke about very proudly rocked a pink um, tool belt and pink hard hat when she would go to just oh, cause a little amazing. trouble, which I adore. Um, <laughs> but you can find those patterns in a lot of male, traditionally male dominated. And I think what we're saying that we're also coding it for like macho, right? Um, yeah. Potentially toxic masculinity, right? That That's another sort of concept, but those things can happen just because there isn't a lot of diversity and people aren't checking themselves and maybe are um, sort of defaulting to the lowest common denominator among them, if that makes sense. Um, so the change is, is slow, but important. And I don't think, I don't think there's anywhere that's truly unwelcoming. Yeah. It's just like finding, finding, I guess your people are just, like putting your love or passion for it, I yeah. guess, kind of, kind of above, which obviously is much, much easier said than done. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, yeah. And I don't want to make it sound too simple and I don't want to sort yeah. of sweep under the rug. Cause I do think there are people who don't feel welcomed, but I do think we've made a lot of progress and definitely, I'm very happy to see even in the last 10 years, more and more, women, more and more people of color, more and more um, variants in, in sort of style and uniform, if we'll call it that, um, in, in workplaces. And I think conversations like this and efforts like yours just help kind of expand that for the next set of, of people coming up. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And I think one thing that you're kind of alluding to is the fact that like with this increase of the number of women in like traditionally male dominated areas such as STEM, um, this means that younger generations have more like role models to look up to. Yeah. And just in general, just like um, when there are more people who look like you, it's easier to to go into I might have that. stuck with math club. Who knows? <laughs> True. You you might be a world-renowned mathematician. <laughs> that's probably not true. I'm terrible at math. Yeah. But I'm it, but that's okay. that's another that is such another um important thing to say. I am awful at math. Bad. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I'm not good at computer science things or concepts of engineering or um process architecture, right? Like I think that's another thing that we hear and that goes to this welcomeness, right? Oh, 
I had this degree. I specialized in this, therefore I can do that. There, there are certainly things that require um, very specific disciplines, but you can be slightly differently able than have your mind think certain different ways and still be very impactful. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're definitely right. Like there's, I think even now, like a lot, we've made a lot of progress in a lot of things with STEM, but I feel like this is a perception that is still there that it's like, if you're not good at one of the thing, one of the components, like you're not so good at science, then it's like, why do I, why should I even go into STEM? Like there, there's nothing in there for me, but it's such a diverse area. Yeah. Like there's so, so many occupations and areas that you can go into. Like just in the computer science area, there are like, so there yeah. are hundreds of subsections. And actually, of I just did myself science. a disservice by saying I'm not good at math. That's not true mm. either. There are some kinds of math that fall under, as our British friends would say, the maths, right? That are like, very natural and others that aren't. And I labeled myself at some point in my life as not good at the maths, but mm. that's not fair either. So you're giving me something to reflect on there. Yeah. One of the many goals of this podcast. Yes. And I have to change my self-talk. Yes. That's, that's important. I feel like this also goes back to what you were saying about how most of your most of the comments come from females themselves. It's like, it's, we often think of this female more, we need more females in STEM as a problem with like guys, or it's like they aren't accepting of us, or like they don't want us. But that's not necessarily true. It's like, it's a collective mindset. I feel like a lot of it is more to do with us. We need to change our own, how we think about, um, I guess, ourselves and just. Mm -hmm. Well, don't this area police and... other people, right? Yeah. You know, you, just... don't, you don't. But so much of that comes from trying to figure out where you are and where you stand. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that's another sort of traditional myth about women in the past who have succeeded in a traditionally male area where there's this, I don't know if it's an instinct. I don't know, but it's like closing the door behind them because they got there. So they're in mm. um, versus, you know, reaching back and like making the door wider. It's not a zero sum game, right? <laughs> really? It's. We're all in this together. Yeah. yeah. I know we're going all over the place, but I'm having so yeah. fun chatting with you. No, it, it's, uh, these are the best kind of talks, you know, the ones that go start one place and go like in so many different directions and then like connecting them back to different, different points from our previous discussion. Um, it's very definitely. STEM thinking of you. You're looking at a problem <laughs> and a topic from all kinds of angles. I mean, that's, yeah, that's no, I mean, this is, this is so much fun because it's obviously not like one of those traditional stem things i'm not currently engineering or coding something but <laughs> like talking yeah it's it's not but um talking about it is kind of fun you know and mm -hmm. it, it's kind of like as you said widening the door yeah. right just i want i want as many people to go into here as they go into stem as they can um and not have barriers such mm -hmm. as like 
the like such as the imposter syndrome as you said yeah well or, or at least rolling with it right don't let it mm -hmm. don't self-select out um because you think something will be a certain way yeah or that you feel like you might get judged or something yeah yeah now that we're kind of coming to a close i i want to go back to the original question yes. and just tie it back and see if we busted the myth you know so, so once again the myth was that femininity is unwelcome in stem and so do you think that this is like a myth or that we busted it or do you think it's um it, it is kind of true and i think it's a work in progress mm -hmm. but i don't think it's unwelcome in the way that I thought when I was 10 or 12, there's not people out there saying no girls allowed. Right. And there's no one out yeah. there saying, if you wear makeup, you're a moron. Right. But yeah. it's because there was a lack of role models for me um, mm -hmm. in some of those areas. I didn't have a sparkly scientist from NASA, <laughs> you know, speaking to my school. Um, I, I perceived STEM as being more unwelcoming um, than it than it is or might be, and I think that we've are making progress with every girl who goes into a career in a STEM area and brings their authentic self every day, whether that's feminine and girly or not but being who they are in that room and hopefully their male counterparts and colleagues or, you know, however the, that, um, you know, they're choosing to dress and, and bring them their authentic selves to work. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I think that makes it better for everyone. Yeah. Just an authentic workplace all in all as a whole. Yeah. You want a formal suited up, do it. You want to wear a hoodie? Yeah. Cool. I'm going to wear my dress yeah. and heels. Awesome. We're all <laughs> Works. bringing who we are. Yep. Just a huge melting pot. <laughs> True. And yeah. speaking up. Mm -hmm. That That is true. I mean, I feel like when you are able to be more authentic, you're more comfortable in your skin. So then you're just – like it's easier to – to like speak up as you said or just like easier to 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 come up with those innovative solutions that maybe you need to come up with or or write the the code in a certain way or you know I'm trying to come yeah. up with these generic like stem related yeah, um, yeah. examples but but you know what I'm saying Absolutely. right just it, it it makes being more confident just makes everything easier and more enjoyable so yeah being respected for who you are is a is a important thing yeah well um it was lovely talking to you it's so nice talking to you thank you so much for having me it's really been a pleasure thank you so much for coming on it was and to you guys listening thank you so much um once again, happy International Women's Day, and it's Women's History Month, so we have several special episodes planned out for this month, so stay tuned, and see you guys next week. Music